you got your Bibles uh, this morning, I want you to go to me to Gospel of John, chapter 14. Of course, today is Pentecost Sunday, and that has been seven weeks since we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ online or on CD, whatever we, it was your uh, option there. And so we commemorate uh, on this day when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church at the birth of the church in the book of Acts, chapter 2. And so this morning, I want to go to uh, John chapter 14, then I'm going to look at Romans chapter 8, and let me kind of set the scene here for you in John chapter 14. Jesus had just spent three and a half years with his disciples. He had been teaching them, he had been training them. And, of course, as you read the Gospels and the accounts of Jesus' ministry, you realize that the disciples depended tremendously, entirely on Jesus. They were so dependent upon everything that he did. And now Jesus begins telling them in chapter 14, I don't have this on the screen, but uh, you can just listen, he begins to tell them that... In verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. He says, listen, I'm about to go away. And I want you to think about this. Think about those disciples as they are listening to Jesus tell them this. Because now up until this point, they had probably assumed that Jesus was going to set up a political kingdom right then and there. Okay? I mean, they were ready to take over. And all of a sudden now, Jesus gives them this news that I'm about to go away. Can you imagine the shock and the awe that they must have felt when Jesus tells them that I'm, I'm going to go away? I, I, would, I would kind of picture it like this. I remember when our first child was born. And if I'm not mistaken, we had two grandmothers that came and they stayed each for a little while, maybe a couple years or something, I think it was. <laughs> I'm joking. But I remember when they said, we're going away. And you're going to be in charge. And you've got to do all this stuff. And the... Uh, Scared, being scared, not know what, what, what are we going to do? And this is the same way I'm sure the disciples felt when Jesus said this. But let's pick up verse 16 in John chapter 14. Look what he says here. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Comforter, another helper, helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. He says, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. 
I will come to you. And so what Jesus is telling them is, I'm about to go away, but I'm not going to leave you helpless. Okay? I'm not going to leave you on your own. You ever felt helpless? You ever felt like you're on your own and you don't know what you're going to do? Well, this was the same way the disciples felt. And Jesus wanted to comfort them by telling them that I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a helper. Even the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, that beautiful book of Romans, when the Apostle Paul begins to explain how grace works and how then uh, in chapter 7 about the law and what the law does. And in chapter 8, let's pick up what he says here in chapter 8, verse 18. Look what he says here. He says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against this will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. You ever been there? Like, man, I'll be so glad when we get out of this sin-sick world. That's what he's talking about. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Then he says, and we believe, and we believers also groan. Notice this, just because you're a child of God does not make you immune to suffering. It doesn't make you immune to heartache, hardships. He says we believers, just because we're believers don't mean we, we don't groan and long for that glorious day. He says even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as the adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. He said if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. In other words, we ain't got it all yet. This is when we got hope. We're hoping for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And then he says this in verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. So Jesus told us, I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. I'm going to send you a helper. Paul says in Romans 8 that even though we live in times of frustration, even though we live in times of suffering, even though we live in times where we're perplexed, we don't understand what's going on. He says, we as children of God, 
we have a helper. Now listen, this word help speaks of the action of a person coming to another's aid by taking hold over against that person of the load that they are carrying. And so when Paul says that we have a helper, the Holy Spirit, that he helps us in our weaknesses, this word weaknesses, your, your translation might say infirmities, it literally means without strength and speaks of the state of incapacity to do or experience something. And so this infirmity, this weakness, may not just be a physical weakness, it could also be a spiritual weakness. So there's times that we may feel overwhelmed. There's times we may feel helpless. But as a child of God, we are never helpless. We're never abandoned. We're never as an orphan. And so let's look at first and foremost, the source of our help. Jesus told the disciples in John 14 and 6, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, another comforter, that he may be with you forever. Now let's understand something. The Holy Spirit is not an abstract force. He's not a ball of energy. He's not some kind of weird cosmic thing out there. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the He's the third part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so you must always think of him in the terms of a person and not simply an experience. See, a lot of people, they want a visitation, but you know what? We don't really need a visitation. What we need is habitation. You understand that? And when you understand that, that he doesn't just come to visit and leave he comes to stay. See, in the Old Testament, you got to realize that the Holy Spirit changed his operation in the, in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he would come upon people for specific purposes, and then he would leave them. But Jesus said, it's not going to be like that now that I'm going away to the Father because I'm going to send him. I'm not going to abandon you. And he says that he will be with you for Ever. And so we see that first and foremost, he is a person. John 16 and 13 says it like this. But when, and notice I underline this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And so we first and foremost got to realize who the source of our help is. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper, one that is just like me, and he will abide with you forever. So we see the source of our help. What about the operation of his help? How does he help us? Well, the first area he helps us in is salvation. Okay? You cannot be saved on your own. Okay? It's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit that saves us. 
See, we were all born dead in trespasses and sins. We were like that blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat. We couldn't do it. Okay? That's how we were. We were born dead in trespasses and sins. But the Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates the human heart and makes man aware of his sinful and unsaved condition. See, in John 16, verse 8, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. He is the one that brings conviction on the sinner's life. Okay? He's the one that draws you to Jesus and points you to Jesus. Titus 3 and 5 says it like this. He saved us not on the basis of deeds or our works, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, there's a conversation there that Jesus has with Nicodemus. And here's what the, the Bible says in John chapter 3. Jesus told Nicodemus this. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again, can he? And then Jesus says, truly, truly, I send you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to get hung up on water there, okay, because I know there's a lot of different opinions, and I don't believe it means baptism there. There's some people who say, well, that's talking about a natural birth through going through the birth canal. you got the water in the sack, all those kind of things. Other people say, no, the water's the Word. And some people say, no, the water is the Holy Spirit because it's even water, even the Spirit. And so I don't really get hung up there this morning, okay? We'll save that for a leap year or something. But what I do want to get hung up on is this. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Then he says, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not be amazed that I said unto you, you must be born again. He says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's coming from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, he initiates salvation. I can preach so I'm blue in the face, but unless the Holy Spirit tugs on your heart and opens your eyes and opens your mind, you are not going to be saved. But I thank God all who are thirsty can come freely to the water, amen, and drink of life everlasting. But it's the Holy Spirit who changes us and who does a work in us at the moment of salvation. But it's not just enough for us to have the Spirit, we need to let the Spirit have us, okay? Be filled with the Spirit. In Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled. That mean, word filled there means controlled. 
It means that he is controlling everything about them. And we need to walk in the Spirit, okay? That's, we need to be immersed, baptized completely in the Spirit. I understand that. But what we got to realize is this. He begins his work in our life at salvation. He's the one who does the changing in our life. He's the one that when you mess up, we won't call it sin, okay, because we know we don't do that stuff. When you mess up, he's the one that brings conviction to your heart. You understand that? And so we see the source of our help. We see the operation of his help. It is in salvation. It's also in life. It's also in our life. Look what Jesus said back in verse 18. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Then verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper, another comforter. Focus on the word another for a second. That word another in the Greek is the word allos. It means another of the same kind. It means one just like me. What Jesus is telling them is this. I am going to send you someone that is just like me. It's not a substitute for Jesus, but in addition to even more than what you are getting right now. And that word helper, that word comfort, paraclete, it means this. It means we break that word down, para. It means someone that is very close, someone that is intimate. It stresses a nearness. He said not only be with you, he will be in you. You should never go into God's house and say, now yes, the Holy Ghost is not here. Because I brought him with me. And wherever I go, guess what? He goes with me. And so I've got a helper if I'm on the job. I've got a helper if I'm in God's house. I've got a helper at my house. See that word para, paraclete, their comforter. It means someone who is very close, someone who is very near. That word kaleo means to call to someone, to call someone alongside. And so he has been called alongside to help us. That word paraclete can be broken down into three main words here. It means first and foremost, it means an advocate. You know what an advocate is? An advocate is a person who speaks or writes in support or defense of another person. A person who pleads for or in behalf of another. An intercessor, one who pleads the cause of another in the court of law. So we would say it like this. An advocate would be almost like the same thing as your defense attorney. Your divine defense attorney. How many knows, and I hope you've never been in that situation, but if you've ever gotten sued or went to the court, and you've had to get a defense attorney. The defense attorney does not stand up when the prosecutor is saying, this guy's a low-down, rotten, filthy, stinking scoundrel, and say, that's true. No. He's going to say, I object, Your Honor. He is going to defend you at every cause. Okay? And what we got to realize is our defined defense attorney he is the one that is defending us when Satan comes to condemn us, when Satan comes to accuse us. I've got an advocate that is living inside of me. He's my divine defense attorney, and he is pleading my cause. He is my helper in life's battles. 
He's also an assistant to us. He helps me in life's battle. Paraclete in the Greek also has a military meaning. It means a battle partner. And we've all, I've talked about this before, how that Greek soldiers, they went into battle paired up, standing back to back, sword and shield in the hand, and they fought off enemy troops. See, the Holy Spirit is my and your battle partner. You are never fighting a battle alone. Understand that. You never fight a battle alone. He is the one that is standing there with you, helping you as you fight that battle. And you got to realize this. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. God is greater than anything that I will face. And so he is our helper. Notice this. He doesn't do everything for us. I've still got to work. I've still got to pray. I've still got to, believe it or not, study. I don't just say, well, I'm going to walk up here and see what, see what happens. See, he's not going to call anything you remember if you don't remember anything. If you don't put it in, he's not going to just drag it out. He's not there to do everything for you. He's there to help you. But it also means not only someone that helps you in your battle, it also means someone that encourages you. In other words, he is the encourager of your life. See, he wants to lift you up. He wants to empower you. He wants you to realize who you are in Christ Jesus. And so that's what Jesus was telling his disciples. I'm going away, but even though I'm going back to the Father, I'm going to send someone that's not going to just be with you. He's going to be in you. And wherever you go, he is going to be there with you, helping you in life's battles. So we see who the source of our help is. We see the operation of his help. But what about the span of his help? How long does he help us? John 14, 16. I will pray the Father. He will give you another comforter, helper, that he may abide or be with you forever. That word, abide or be with you, it means to remain. It means to tarry forever. It means to the end of the age. That's how long he will be with you. He'll be with you forever. In other words, he'll be with you in good times and in bad times. Notice that. He's going to be with you when things are going good and you know what? He's there with you when everything seems like it's falling apart. Jesus said in Hebrews 13, he said, he himself has said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He told the disciples in Matthew 28 and 20, he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so he's there in good times and bad times. He's also there in success and in failure. 
See, it's easy for us to think when we're successful that, man, God is really with us. But not only is he with us in success, but he's also with us in failure. Let me, let me, let me prove this point. David, man after God's own heart. God's hand was upon him every step of his life. And there was a time in David's life when he was going up on the rooftop and he just so happened to see a woman there bathing. And David said, I want, to ha- I want that woman. I got to have her for my wife. And so he found out that was Uriah's wife. And so David slept with her. She became pregnant, and David had Uriah murdered, okay? That's, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat it. That's how it is. And David tried to cover up his sins. He thought he could hide it. He thought he could do things to make it seem like He didn't do that. But let me ask you a question. Did God abandon David during that time? Well, let me me show you. Let's go to Psalms 32, verse 4. And this is David recounting this incident. He says... Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. So God did not abandon David. And I'm not advocating failure, okay? I'm not saying that go do what you want to do. But I am saying this, that I've known in my life, as a young man who was called into the ministry and said, I ain't doing that. And all of a sudden I said, I'm going off to a college and I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. God didn't say, well, okay, go ahead and go. Yes, you, you just do what you want to do. I'm saying that in the midst of my rebellion, when I would lay down my head at night in my dorm room, with no one else around, there was a heavy hand on my life. And it wasn't pleasant. It was a hand of conviction that said this, you can run, but I'll outrun you. You can try to hide, but I'll find you. That's why David said, where can I go from your presence? If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to the mountain, you're there. There's nowhere I can't go that I can escape where you are. And what I'm saying there is this. Some people think as soon as they stumble, that's it. He's gone. 
But I'm here to tell you, it's not like that, okay? I'm here to tell you, he'll be with you in good times and bad times. He'll be with you in success and failure. He's not just a helper that shows up when everything's going good. He's also a helper that when you're in the deepest pit, in the miry clay, he'll reach down, he'll call your name, he'll lift you up out of that miry pit, and he'll set your feet on a solid rock. He is your helper in good times and in bad times. He's your helper in success and in failure. That's the truth. That's the truth. And that's what Jesus, listen, do you think when Jesus was with the disciples and all of a sudden they, they deserted him? You ever read John 21 where Peter said, that's it, I'm going back fishing. I'm sure Jesus said, that's what you think. And so all of a sudden, they went out fishing that night and didn't catch a single thing. Let me tell you something. If you're a fisherman and you don't catch fish, you ain't going to be a fisherman for long. Okay? And so Jesus shows up and says, hey, guys, got any fish? You know, even Jesus, I guess he, he was kind of being a smart over there. Hey, guys, you got any fish? He knows they ain't got no fish. But he's trying to prove a point. They said, no. He said, well, just drop you on the other side. Pfft, we fished all night. We know there's nothing. And they drop their net, and boom. All these fish come up out of that net. What was Jesus telling those guys? He was saying, apart from me, you can't do anything. You ain't going to do anything. You may try to run, guys, but you know what? There's going to be misery every step of your life. You're going to be frustrated, so you might as well go ahead and surrender. And so that's what Peter did. Because Jesus told him, he said, listen, when you were young, you went where you wanted to go. But now that you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and you're going to die for me. What are you saying here? I'm saying that you are not helpless in these times. Don't ever think you are alone. Don't ever think you're alone. Don't ever think that God has abandoned you. I'm here to tell you, he helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us. Yes, we need to walk in it. We need to be filled with the Spirit every day of our lives. But He is our helper, and He is that ever-abiding presence in our lives. Come on, we play Him. Will you stand over this house? We're not alone. We're help. We're not helpless. We're not helpless. We're not helpless. Father God, I thank you. Lord, that goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that in those times that we may stumble, that, Lord, you're there to pick us up. You're there by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to our life. And you want to help us. And your help is not a temporary help. It's not a fair-weathered help. It's a help in good times. 
It's a help in bad times. It's a help when we're successful. It's also a help in the midst of failure. Lord Jesus, for those here this morning, they may not be where they need to be with you. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would just begin to deal with their hearts. Show them you're not through with them. Show them that if they'll confess their sins, you're faithful and just to forgive them their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And Lord, we thank you that you are an ever-present help in the time of trouble. We thank you, Lord, that you're not going to abandon us, that you're not going to leave us as orphans. But Lord, you're with us everywhere we go.